Chapter sixty two of the Ontario Reader's Third Book by the Ontario Ministry of Education. Read for LibriVox.org. Fishing. One fine Thursday afternoon, Tom, having borrowed East's new rod, started by himself to the river. He fished for some time with small success. Not a fish would rise to him, but as he prowled along the bank, he was presently aware of mighty ones feeding in a pool on the opposite side, under the shade of a huge willow tree. The stream was deep here, but some fifty yards below was a shallow, for which he made off hot foot, and forgetting landlords, keepers, solemn prohibitions of the doctor, and everything else, pulled up his trousers, plunged across, and in three minutes was creeping along on all fours towards the clump of willows. It isn't often that great chub, or any other coarse fish, are in earnest about anything, but just then they were thoroughly bent on feeding, and in half an hour Master Tom had deposited three thumping fellows at the foot of the giant willow. As he was baiting for a fourth pounder, and just going to throw in again, he became aware of a man coming up the bank not one hundred yards off. Another look told him it was the under-keeper. Could he reach the shallow before him? No, not carrying his rod. Nothing for it but the tree. So Tom laid his bones to it, shinning up as fast as he could and dragging up his rod after him. He had just had time to reach and crouch along upon a huge branch some ten feet up, which stretched out over the river, when the keeper arrived at the clump. Tom's heart beat fast as he came under the tree. Two steps more, and he would have passed, when, as ill luck would have it, the gleam on the scales of the dead fish caught his eye, and he made a dead point at the foot of the tree. He had picked up the fish one by one. His eye and touch told him that they had been alive and feeding within the hour. Tom crouched slower along the branch, and heard the keeper beating the clump. "'If I could only get the rod hidden,' thought he, and began gently shifting it to get it alongside of him. Willow-trees don't throw out straight hickory-shoots twelve feet long, with no leaves, worse luck. Alas, the keeper catches the rustle, and then a sight of the rod, and then of Tom's hand and arm. "'Oh, be up there, be,' says he, running under the tree. "'Now you come down this minute.' "'Treat at last,' thinks Tom, making no answer, and keeping as close as possible, but working away at the rod which he takes to pieces. I'm in for it, unless I can starve him out. And then he begins to meditate getting along the branch for a plunge, and scramble to the other side. But the small branches are so thick, and the opposite bank so difficult, that the keeper will have lots of time to get round by the ford before he can get out, so he gives that up. And now he hears the keeper beginning to scramble up the trunk, that will never do, so he scrambles himself back to where his branch joins the trunk, and stands with lifted rod. Hello, Velveteens, mind your fingers if you come any higher. The keeper stops and looks up, and then with a grin says, Oh, be you, be it, young meester. Well, here's luck. Now I tells thee to come down at once, and it'll be best for thee. Thank ye, Velveteens, I'm very comfortable, said Tom, shortening the rod in his hand and preparing for battle. "'Wery well, please yourself,' says the keeper, descending, however, to the ground again, and taking his seat on the bank. "'I'd be in no hurry, so you med take your time. I'll learn ee to get honest folks' names afore I'd done with ee.' "'My luck as usual,' thinks Tom. "'What a fool I was to give him a black. If I'd called him keeper now, I might get off. The return match is all his way.' The keeper quietly proceeded to take out his pipe, fill and light it, keeping an eye on Tom, who now sat disconsolately across the branch, looking at the keeper, a pitiful sight for men and fishes. 
The more he thought of it, the less he liked it. It must be getting near a second calling over, thinks he. Keeper smokes on stolidly. If he takes me up, I shall be flogged safe enough. I can't sit here all night. Wonder if he'll rise at silver. I say, Keeper, said he meekly, let me go for two bob? Not for twenty, neither, grunts his persecutor. And so they sat on till long past second calling over, and the sun came slanting in through the willow branches, and telling of locking up near at hand. "'I'm coming down, Keeper,' said Tom at last, with a sigh, fairly tired out. "'Now what are you going to do?' "'Walk ye up to school, and give ye over to the doctor. Them's my orders,' says Velveteen, knocking out the ashes of his fourth pipe, and standing up and shaking himself. "'Very good,' said Tom. "'But hands off, you know. I'll go with you quietly, so no collaring or that sort of thing.' Keeper looked at him a minute. "'Weary good,' says he at last. And so Tom descended, and wended his way drearily by the side of the keeper up to the schoolhouse, where they arrived just at locking up. As they passed the school-gates, the tadpole and several others who were standing there caught the state of things and rushed out, crying, "'Rescue!' But Tom shook his head, so they only followed to the doctor's gate, and went back sorely puzzled. How changed and stern the doctor seemed from the last time that Tom was up there, as the keeper told the story, not omitting to state how Tom had called him blackguard names. "'Indeed, sir,' broke in the culprit, "'it was only velveteens.' The doctor only asked one question. "'You know the rule about the banks, Brown?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Then wait for me to-morrow, after first lesson.' "'I thought so,' muttered Tom. "'And about the rods, sir?' went on the keeper. "'Master's told as we might have all the rods.' "'Oh, please, sir,' broke in Tom, "'the rod isn't mine.' The doctor looked puzzled, but the keeper, who was a good-hearted fellow, and melted at Tom's evident distress, gave up his claim. Tom was flogged next morning, and a few days afterwards met Velveteens, and presented him with half a crown for giving up the rod claim, and they became good friends, and I regret to say that Tom had many more fish from under the willow that mayfly season, and was never caught again by Velveteens. Hughes, Tom Brown's School Days End of section 62. This recording is in the public domain.